Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take the Stage, the Opera Podcast. We're doing a last-minute holiday bonus episode with the amazing Rachel Willis Sorensen. She's a top-notch voice, but even more exciting for us who love and follow her is that she has a mentor's heart. She's going to be sharing with us tidbits of wisdom about mental health as a performer, performance anxiety, and other opera career stuff. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo. This is Evan here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast. And yes, so we actually got a message from Rachel this morning saying that she had a free evening and wondering if we could throw together an improvised performance of this podcast episode. So we are thrilled to have her. And of course, we aren't really sure what we're going to talk about necessarily, but (laughs) it's going to be an adventure. And on this adventure with me is, of course, my friend Mariah. Welcome. Hello. So we always say that this podcast is a choose your own adventure, but today it really is. Yes. It's like we had a Christmas miracle when Rachel texted us. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I got that text this morning from Evan saying you were going to come on, Rachel. And I was like, yes. (laughs) That's so sweet. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Of course. Yes. Well, we are so excited to visit today with Rachel, and I follow her on social media, um, not only because I'm a fan of her voice and of her career, but also because she genuinely cares about other singers and wants them to achieve their best. So like you said, Evan, she has a mentor's heart. Yes. So let's, let's jump right in, Rachel. How do you feel? How do I feel? Oh, I'm a bit... I mean, it's a rough time, am I right? The Twilight Zone, the Corona Twilight Zone. Mm. So I lost a lot of work and I'm trying to come to terms with making like 20% of my income and making it work to keep my family afloat. That's a big challenge. But luckily, you know, I have been trying to be smart financially. And I have, for example, since I'm on the road right now, I mean, ideally I could just go home, but I guess because of the coronavirus, it'll make it more difficult to travel. So I've decided to just sort of bum around living out of a suitcase (laughs) which is complicated and challenging, but um, my house in Utah, I renovated into like two separate apartments and I'm renting it out. So it's turning a little bit of a profit. So hopefully I won't like, you know, have to stop eating before like the world (laughs) recommences. Yeah, but I'm doing well. Thank you. I mean, I had a horrible thought. Like people keep saying, I can't wait to see 2020 in the rear view mirror. Like 2020 is the worst. Right. And I was thinking that too, like, oh boy, let's just move into 2021. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, what if it's worse? Yes. <laughs> so awful. I was like, oh dear, if, uh, you know, the societal infrastructure fails and we ultimately don't have the availability of food for right. purchase, like what happens? No, I'm so, it's been kind of a bleak <laughs> holiday for me. I'm sure for a lot of people, but I'm sorry, that's not the answer maybe you were looking for, but I have some it's exciting a real things. answer. It's a real answer. It's a real opera life answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. 
um, at the darkest point of this Corona nightmare, I was like, is it really responsible to teach people this profession? That's like clearly going to have to suffer. And then I realized it absolutely is because in my, Mm. to my mind, fulfilling your potential in one area, like ultimately adds value to your whole life, even if you don't pursue it professionally, or even if, I mean, it just, these are skills and utilizing your body in a specific way and the self-control, the discipline, and ultimately the fulfillment that you get out of the creation of art is worthwhile, even if it's not, it doesn't have to be your vocation. Exactly. Or excuse me, how yeah. do I know no, how to put this? It doesn't have to be your job in order right. to be a vocation. That's what I mean. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So I feel like that's the really worthwhile use of time and energy, teaching lessons, taking lessons, maybe in any way. And like, it's just something that I've noticed. For example, I taught many, many lessons in the first confinement. And, uh, I met people from all over the world. They taught all kinds of lessons over Zoom <clears throat> or Skype. And I found that like the act of singing itself is such a reward. Sure. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yes. I just think it's really, it's really healthy for people, particularly now. So I'm really grateful to have been a part of, of that. So let's talk a little bit about your teaching we, and your hashtag Real Opera Life and your, your school on social media. And how did that come about and, and what kind of rewards have you experienced from that? Well, I, um, in the first confinement, I started teaching. Luckily, my, my master's degree is in pedagogy because I went to BYU in Utah and they didn't offer a performance master's. Okay. So like, incidentally, I, I took, uh, I got a degree in pedagogy. Part of it um, was teaching non-majors group voice classes mm-hmm. and teaching private voice. And I really enjoyed it. Like I, I found it to be really rewarding to help people discover ultimately themselves. Because in my opinion, the greatest thing you can do with your voice is to be uniquely yourself. And I think we mm-hmm. learn a lot of similar tools, but ultimately what you're trying to do is strip away the tensions to reveal like the individual. And there's something so amazing about that in my opinion. So I, I really enjoyed teaching all these students, but then I put it away for so long and never taught. I mean, occasionally yeah. somebody would ask me like, oh, you know, and then maybe a, <clears throat> another singer in a cast I was working in or like a student that was in the town where I was um, would ask for a lesson. And I have taught various lessons throughout the years, but not really like in any sort of regular way. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, in the confinement, my press agent suggested that we start, we put up on social media that I was available for, for lessons. And there was such a response. I mean, I was sure. teaching something like at least 20 hours a week. And then I wow. started thinking, actually, this is too much. I can sort of chill out. So then I turned <laughs> back for a while. But like, we still, we had such a waiting list that I, and I started thinking, I'm saying similar things to a lot of people. Maybe I should just make it more concise. And we thought about maybe doing, she wanted me to film like four or five hours just talking about basic technical principles that we could like, she wanted to put a link on my website. It would just be passive income, a little bit of mm. income. But then I was like, well, I'd rather do it live. And how do we, yeah. anyway, so, so we came up with this idea to have the real Opera Life School masterclass, which is basically four times a month for a minimum of a, a minimum of one hour, I produce content relative to vocal technique. For a while, it was very specific, like this week is breathing, next week is yeah. breath support. Yeah. We did an apoggio week, we did a resonance week, we did a chiaroscuro week, you know, all these things. And then eventually, I just realized, and, and I think the idea was to, ha- to have it really focused on specific singing principles. Mm. But um, it evolved more and more. And I found like, well, anyway, now we, we're more teaching like individual 20 minute sessions, which I post to the group. 
every week, but all something like 30 classes are still available in the group. So for a, the low monthly fee of $30 a month, you can access like right. all the content. And then <clears throat> it's a much cheaper way of getting private lessons with me because I'm doing, like I said, probably about three 20 minute sessions for free a week and then um, answering any questions. And so that's, that's how that evolved. It was actually my press agent's brainchild and I, <laughs> I love it. I love it because I'm already excessively candid on my social media about my experiences, sure. but it's not professionally a good move to like tell all, you know, sure. because um, you never know, like not all the experiences to be honest are positive and you, I, I want to be careful, but I also think people shouldn't go into this with their eyes closed. Mm -hmm. Like they should really know what sort of experiences might await them. So I, I'm grateful to have found a platform where be behind the safety of a paywall, I'm able to be like extremely candid. And I just say like, these are the things that have happened. You know, these are the conditions, these are the circumstances, these are the rewards, these are the difficulties. And I find I'm just being really, really honest. And a lot of the students have expressed to me their gratitude because it's like, if your job is at stake, you're going to sugarcoat the thing. You know what I mean? Right. Even if it disadvantages yeah. the listeners. Yep. And I, I don't really want to do that, but it's not, I mean, that makes it sound like I talk about how bleak it is, but I, I mean, mostly <laughs> like there is a sort of, in, in my opinion, there's a kind of an underbelly in the teaching of young singers in the United States, particularly um, where they're quasi abused by like mm. failed singers who are hired to teach them things. Sure. Right. And right. the bitterness and the jealousy and the, it's just, it causes a really interesting psychological state wherein a lot of the singers that were my contemporaries when I was going through the young artist program graduated and like had were just destroyed like they were just demoralized mm. to the point of not wanting to pursue the career anymore but having to do it financially they had no choice it's their most marketable skill and I, I just thought the thing is the way we're training young artists in the U.S. or the way they were I, I noticed in several different programs that I did is precluding their ability to create the art that even the people doing the training themselves are seeking. Mm -hmm. So where is this disconnect and like, how do we solve it? And how I personally overcame those problems and tried to become more of myself and how I noticed that the truer I have been to myself, the more success that I have had as an artist. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to share these messages, these complex yeah. and sort of like sometimes ugly messages with the greater public because I realized no one is saying these things. No one is giving this information to these young singers who need it in order to make the art thrive. So it's like sort of a long-term, I mean, if we, it just seems to me like if we keep demoralizing young singers because they're young, because they're un, underpolished, or if we keep trying to homogenize them, we're going to kill the art form, you know? Yeah, and that yeah. is a tragedy in my opinion. Yes, right. Sorry, and real talk. <laughs> real talk. I love how you guys are like, we just want to keep it positive. No, well, that's, I will. No, and I think that's perfect. And Evan and I have actually talked about that. I can't remember if it's been in previous episodes or if we just talk about it in general. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I actually, I have a student who, I don't know if she still is a part of the real life opera school, but she, she paid that $35 a month and was going to your stuff for a couple of months and she loved it and she would always oh, that's talk cool. to me about it and yeah so you're doing great things and it's just it's great it turns out to be great like a little community of young singers and um a place where I feel 
very free to answer all the questions, yeah. even the less savory question. Right. And we kind of <laughs> joked, you know, you kind of joked about us trying to have a positive podcast. But I think that dealing with actual issues, but trying to do it in a positive light is exactly, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, what we want. You know, we don't want to sugarcoat yeah. things. That's not helpful. Well, because I think that that happens so often. You know, I, I had two different uh, press agents in my life. And the, the first one, she's very good and very recommended. I just found that like all the work she was doing to like, or how do I put this? Like I would post something. I remember one time I, I was a bit depressed after a show because I had this weird experience where I sang super well. I was really proud of myself, which is uncommon for me. Usually I'm very critical. But I was like, wow, that, I really did it this time. You know, like I wow. really, <laughs> really went there. But I was, but one of my castmates was like this really famous tenor. And people loved him so much that like I left the theater. I mean, I was star mm. starting opposite him. But yeah. as I left the theater, people were like pushing me out of the way oh to get gosh. to him. Like, get out of here. What are you like? Go away. And I, and I was funny because I was alone in this town um because it was such a short gig that i went without my family and i went to this crappy crappy hotel room that i was spending like 40 dollars night it wasn't even a hotel it was like an airbnb practically like a student dorm that was really close to the <laughs> opera house Amazing. and i remember sitting there going like what just happened you know i did this great performance and no one's even here to share with me and i was a bit sad so i like sang um uh, like a sarah mclaughlin angel do you know the song uh -huh, I, I, uh -huh. and i shared it on my social media and then i got a lecture from the social media manager like nobody wants to see that nobody wants problems you know you oh. got to just be always very positive and i remember thinking like okay but i mean it was just anyway this is this is a, a mentality that a lot of people have that you just you mm. share only the good things and you present like i'm never a problem ever. and I, I get that like nobody wants the ugliness but also um why, why am I saying this? I don't know. My new social media manager is the same in a way. She's like, you should um, curate your image and you promote only certain things. So I feel like I get it. You know, if people that potentially could cast you or whatever are seeing this and they think like, oh, that's a lot of drama. You know, no, <laughs> nobody wants that. Right. Yeah. But I do feel a vested interest in the promotion of honesty for the sake, I said, of the whole art form. And I think that it's healthier for all of us to acknowledge the truth rather than just saying things like, you know, I'm making a post about how important it is to be a good colleague and everything's <laughs> awesome. And all my colleagues are awesome. And this city is awesome. And the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the house is awesome and the costumes are awesome. It's just like, you know, it's not always awesome. It's not. And honestly, if you, maybe that's the other thing. I feel it's important to tell the truth so that instead of presenting this social media polished thing people get to realize like what they're faced with are you really going to do yes. this are you willing to take the rejection slaps to your face for years before it potentially works out or doesn't like can you be alone for these long periods mm -hmm. there's so much stuff that needs to be told to young singers so they're not like just completely ruined when they realize what they're up against i don't know and i i i feel like a great sense of responsibility to tell the truth so that yeah. is what that is about. Something that I really love about your social media is that I feel like you're not like selling me yourself as a product. Like I feel like you're really talking to me as a person and that I think goes really far with a lot of people. Oh, cool. Thank you. 
No. It is. It's all fake. I'm nothing like that. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just actually. That's funny because at first, so Liv, who is does my social media mostly, she uh -huh. does all the hard stuff. Like I love to make the content. Mm -hmm. I love to be like, look, Liv, I made a video about warming up. Just post it. But she makes like, she'll put a picture on it and like text and things that I'm like, I can't. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. So she does the posting um and she will like edit the videos and whatever but i make the videos and i'm really passionate about them being natural so at first yeah. she was like kate like here's an idea make a video about this and i'd make it and she'd send me back my notes and they're always like okay put on more lipstick and like have um don't talk in a funny voice she's like why are you talking in a funny voice oh and i'm like gosh. okay so i tried to really streamline for a while i was like okay I, okay i'll just uh, and then at some point I was like, live it leaks. I can't help it. I just can't, <laughs> it can't be stopped. I'm... So anyway, it's really nice because I feel like that is the general response that people, yeah. people want you to be yourself. That's the point. Yes. And that's actually like my whole, my whole message that I wish I could get across to young singers is how much they are already right. Like mm -hmm. you were born the only you on all the earth. Why would you ever try to become somebody different. You know, there's this quote from a Dr. Seuss book I love to read to my children, which everyone should read. It's so cute. It's called Happy Birthday to You. And it has a couple of pages in there. It's like, it said, here's my, what my favorite. Today, you are you. It's truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. You Aww, know what I mean? You can't, yeah. nobody else can do it. It's only you that can do it. And so yeah. you have to do it. Oh, that just gives me chills. Yeah. Yeah, right? There's That's no so other great. there's no other you. And so when we teach singers to streamline everything and make it all perfect, how much are we taking away from the yes. essence of them that they were they and they alone were born with? But the other thing, I'm sorry I talk so much and so gladly. I'm I love learning talking. so much. <laughs> we're so glad you're talking to us. I don't mean to I'm sorry, I don't mean to monopolize your time and I'm sure you have other things you wanted to discuss. I just wanted to say, um, yeah, but part of it is also helping people understand that maybe what they're yearning for, how, how do I put this? I, can't, I had like a click moment a couple of years ago where I was having a very big success. I was being like universally celebrated, practically. I mean, you, universal right. approval is not a real thing, but um, sure. like just huge screaming crowds, standing ovations, awesome reviews, more and more offers like seeing potentially, wow, I'm going to be able to support my family doing this job, which is in itself an enormous feat. But um, I realized that all, and I was just having validation like poured on me in buckets. Mm. And I was standing there and I just thought, oh my gosh, I feel exactly the same bad inside. Wow. Mm. Like wow. it doesn't make the difference that I was hoping it would make. So, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 36, but like how many years have I been doing this? And I, I had this feeling like right around the corner, you know, is sure. the one. And then everybody's going to tell me that I'm great. And then I'm going to, that's it. Then I'll feel so much better. And then yeah. I'll believe and, it. I'll believe how great yeah. I am. <laughs> then I'll finally believe that I'm worthy or whatever. Yeah. And then when I realize, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I'm so, I'm the most validated person in my immediate sphere and I feel like garbage. Like why, what is that? So, and then, you know, I realized 
actually, this is so stupid, but Frozen 2, right? Did anybody watch Frozen <laughs> Please, 2? Please, oh, let's yes. talk about Frozen 2. I can't even. Somebody, I was visiting some adults. I was at like an adult party with adults and I took my children to Frozen 2. I don't know that independent of my children, I would have necessarily like gone to the cinema to watch right. Frozen 2, but I did. And I went twice and I was weeping <laughs> both times. And when she follows the voice to like find herself and then she says, you are the one you've been waiting for all of your life. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, it's true. You know, there was no secret ingredient. But anyway, it's true. So that's the other element that I want people to, I want to encourage people on social media to um, evaluate their motive and think like, what is the real need here? Because the need to be famous or the need to have an opera career, like what are you actually trying to accomplish? Because I think the pursuit of that also can inhibit your art. Yeah. If you are in the pursuit of truth, in the pursuit of beauty, in the pursuit of, you know, I don't know, love of your fellow men, all these noble, positive things, you're going to incidentally create beautiful art. But if you are in the pursuit of greed, of selfishness, of, you know, masturbatorial, like ego megalomania, you're not going to, it's not going to work out. Your art will suffer. And I think there is a lot of art like that, that already exists. There are a lot of artists who are doing that kind of thing. And ultimately it's fine, but it's definitely not what it could be. And you know the difference when you see an artist performing and it's coming from their soul and it's speaking to yours, you know, and that's the kind of thing that really, it makes a difference in the world. It's not just about glamor or money or, or I don't know, like validation. It's if it's about something like the act of giving to the audience and the act of receiving from the audience. Also like this, what's the word I'm looking for? Synergistic Mm -hmm. exchange. Mm -hmm. This is magic. This is magic. This is for me, the whole point. So anyway, I think that there's a lot to consider beyond like, what is your breath support doing? And like, yeah. how is your apojo? And yes. like, are your vocal cords closing? Those things are fun to talk about because I love, you know, that's the pursuit <laughs> of my life. It's like perfect yeah. vocal technique. Yeah. But the real point, it, that's just a vehicle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the real thing that I really want for everyone that I'm interacting with is like for them to realize that they were born worthy and that their message deserves to be shared and how can we get the tension away so that that message is more clearly shared with the world so i want to take us back a little bit to that moment where you discovered that you still weren't as happy as you thought yeah that you could be or that maybe you quote unquote should be yeah yeah and (laughs) have you worked through that have you gained experience since then do you feel like you understand you know how to feel I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask. How are you Just getting tell us about that journey instead of through the applause? I mean, it is a uh, touch and go at times. I'm going to be sure. honest. And sure. the other thing is I read this quote that like basically burned my life to the ground, which was um, <laughs> <clears throat> real self-care is not chocolate cake and bubble baths. It's creating a life from which you do not long to escape. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, crap. I am 
definitely using my job to escape from some of the hardships of my life. And then I was like, how, I mean, what do I do? So this is part of, this is the birthplace maybe of the positive adjectives because yes. I've noticed in my own life. Okay. So in moments of vulnerability, um, my thought train is like off the rails, like just woo crazy. And I don't control it's, it's if I don't seize conscious control of my thoughts, like they're going to go dark, like they're going to okay. go yeah. self-deprecating really fast. And that I have watched destroy many a performance in my life oh. because the minute you're on stage and you're not controlling your thought train, it's going like, they hate me. Right. I, yeah. this is a waste of everyone's yeah. life. I wish that I weren't here. You know, I suck, like, listen to how bad these, this, look how bad it's going. Like, I've just, that's what you default. That's what a lot of people, including me, would default to in moments of vulnerability. Right. So when are you most vulnerable? You're vulnerable on stage if you're doing it right. And you're vulnerable right before you go on stage. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I just realized, like, I, I read some books about meditation and visualization. And I realized, you know, you can change this. At first, I thought that's so hokey to sure. assert control like that. Like, you're, sure. you're going to pretend to feel something different. But um, I've noticed that it really helped me because I went through a phase where I was having a lot of trouble sleeping at night. And I was just ha in this, like, swirling negative thought thing. And I'm sure, like, I don't know. Maybe it's diagnosable. That's, I didn't realize before I'm saying it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ever talk to anybody about it. Like, give me medicine or something. I don't know. But I did start saying these mantras to myself and I just changed my thoughts instead of letting my thoughts just go crazy. I was like, okay, you know, and I read about this. I read about the loving kindness meditation, which is where you, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get the order right, but you're supposed to imagine like someone that you love very much. And you imagine yourself saying to them, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be peaceful. May you be loved. And then you go to like a perfect stranger, maybe like, the cashier checking you out at the grocery store and you imagine yourself saying it to them. And then you go so far as to say it to an enemy, someone you dislike, you, you wish them well, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be peaceful, may you be loved. And then eventually you like face yourself and you offer yourself the same benevolence. And this like would calm me and help me sleep. But also this other one that was really helpful was to say like, to imagine either all of your cells saying this to you like I can picture like the cells are on my toes and like in my, you know, my bones and my blood, all my cells are saying, or I am saying to all my cells, it's weird to conceptualize yourself as more than one person, but whatever, this sure. is not my idea, yeah. but I, I like it. I like the outcome. Yeah. You imagine them saying, I love you. I accept you. I appreciate you. I forgive you. And then you just repeat it over and over. And I found that when I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've chosen this stupid, selfish profession. I can't afford, I'm like, <laughs> what if, what if it doesn't work out? Like, how am I going to feed mm -hmm. my children? You know, like, what have I done? Or like, oh no, the worst bad reviews. Someone said I was fat. Like someone said I was fat in a newspaper and I read about it. Like I'm disgusting. How can I show my face in front of people? Like, this is a big, bad one for me. Like my appearance is inadequate. <clears throat> when I was a young artist, um, the, my boss told me, that I was too fat to work in Europe. And I heard this and I was like, okay, I'm not a good enough singer to compensate for my appearance, which is so awful. It's like, it's an insult in every regard. Yeah. And I suffered for so long because I was like, I have this instinct to perform. I, I, I can't, 
I practically can't live without it. And yet I'm so ashamed. Somehow I, I feel that everything about me is all wrong. And like, how um, do I yeah. move beyond this? And so then I just, I, I had to come to all these conclusions, like that those sort of, that sort of input is really destructive. And ultimately anything that tells you that your gift that you and you alone were born with is not worthy of expression is wrong. Is like, even I would go so far as to say morally wrong, you know, hmm. and that you must be brave and stand against those sort of opposing forces for the sake of the gift that you and you alone possess. So that's like not easy because there's so much of that voice saying, shut up. There's too many singers, right. like you're too old or whatever. You're too, I, I, there's so many ways to, co- to make singers <laughs> feel crap about themselves. There's so many ways you can't even make a lot. Like there's not a list in the world long enough to tell you all the bad things that have been said to people who are brave enough to put themselves out there in the arena. But ultimately, so there, there are a lot of helpful things. So somewhere on the list of questions that you sent me, you said like, what is a book to read? And I'm going to say Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, like life changing, game changing. And I think this is the one with the quote, like, it is not the critic who counts, you know, it is the person out there bloody and sweaty in the arena. Mm. They're the one who counts. Yes. So anyway, the birthplace of the positive adjectives was realizing that like, <clears throat> I don't know if it's, cause I don't think anybody's born full of like self-loathing, but I think you are taught somehow yeah. because of the ugliness in other people's hearts, they like try to put it into you and it works. You know, when you're young and impressionable, you're like, oh my gosh, you're right. I am repulsive. I didn't even know that. <laughs> like my parents basically loved me, but now where, what, what right. happened? Like, now I'm in the world and I realized, oh, I, oh, I didn't realize I'm so gross. You know, anyway, I think we all have this to some degree or another. And if we're not careful in moments of vulnerability, those are the like reverberating nasty voices that will take over and rob us of our joy. So you can stop it though, is the point because you don't have to go there. Even if like, okay, let's say it's true. Let's say I, okay. For example, I sang Cosi Fan Tutte in 2014 when I was pregnant with twins. And I was like, a sweaty pregnant mess like I was sweaty (laughs) and like fatter than normal even and I'm not thin and like someone wrote about it in the newspaper they said frumpy and irritating oh my god and they said I had no sex appeal (laughs) and I was like oh wow that is when I read that I was like destroyed I was like why I shouldn't I'm never gonna show my face again you know what I mean like I'm not doing this I can't I can't be subject to that kind of and I, and I, I had all these hilarious impulses. I was like, I'm finding pictures of the guy who wrote it. And I'm like, dude, so <laughs> mute is the feeling because you're repulsive too. And not with a hundred thousand condoms would I sleep with, you know what I mean? Like, just like, I mean, who do you think you are writing about me in a newspaper right. that you would, you're not interested in sleeping with me? Oh, okay, cool. Cause I wasn't offering. <laughs> You know right. I mean? Yes. Yeah. But then also um, the fact it, it was just, just, it was like, it was so startling and difficult to read it. But I thought it all the time. And then I started telling myself like, Oh, you're any successes in spite of you, not because of you. I mean, it's a mess. And so I realized this is unhelpful. I'm not doing this. I'm focusing somewhere else instead mm-hmm. of letting that, like those words frumpy and irritating and no sex feel reverberate in my skull. I'm going to say what it is that I want to promote in this performance. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in that 
like shame spiral vulnerability nightmare right before performing because I'm someone who suffers. I'm, I'm sure it's normal, but um, I suffer from performance anxiety. And so when I'm in those moments, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have had enough experience to notice my pattern, which is yeah. this, that like a few days before I, it starts and I just start like, I guess I'm probably, I become more difficult to deal with. <laughs> like my loved ones are suddenly like, ew, I don't oh, like being around you. And then it's a few days before, maybe even a whole week before. And then it calms. And then it comes back like a couple days before I'm like, why is it so hot in here? Like I just become slightly <laughs> different. It's just super funny. I mean, this is my life, my whole life. And I remember my poor parents like driving me to a choir concert in high school. And just, I was like, you know, really complaining and unhappy. And they were like, gosh, you're so difficult. Why are you so difficult? And my mom was like, don't be such a diva. I remember my mom saying, don't be a diva. But it was all this like absolute abject terror of yeah. having to perform and wishing so bad, but, but also this like weird need to do it. Yeah. You know, why was I born with both? Why was yes. I born with both? It's so messed up. But yeah, so I have to talk myself into it. But now I know like when I start to get those like gnawing self-doubt feeling, the performance anxiety when it comes, I just start going, no, 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 let's focus on what you want to accomplish. Mm. And I say, and I try to keep it really simple because I'm, I'm basically, I believe that I'm just communicating with my like animal brain. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. the yeah, sub brain, yeah. the amygdala or whatever. I'm going, you're freaking out because you can't tell the difference between being chased by a cheetah that's going to eat mm. you and like having to perform in front of yes. your grandparents or whatever. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, we're not going there. There is no cheetah. What's happening is I'm going to breathe <laughs> deeply and I'm going to think about what I want to do, what I want to be. And so I say, for example, Let's get, let's get, come up with something. What did I say when I was Violetta? Violetta was hard for me because I had been told that I shouldn't do it or couldn't do it. And I really right. wanted to. Yeah. Right. So when it was offered and then hello, also like you have no sex appeal, but try to sing Violetta who's supposed to be like the super <laughs> sexy woman. So I was like, Oh, I'm faking it. But, but then, you know, in the, in the heat of the moment, when I'm in the shame spiral, I go, no, nope, nope, nope. Okay. I'm breathing deeply. And I'm like, mm -hmm. beautiful vulnerable you know like ooh, I, what else is she honest you know i'm thinking about the character and i came up with three or four positive words that i just repeat and i just think about those characteristics now mm. i'm not someone who has had a lot of acting training although i love inhibiting another character and i love telling stories mm -hmm. very very much but um i'm sure of the, of the acting training that i've had they mostly are like don't talk about I don't know. There's like a wrong way to do it and a right, right way, <laughs> right? Like you're right. not supposed to, when you talk about a motivation, it's supposed to be as simple as possible. I didn't know that describing someone as an adjective is the best way, but this really helps me personally. So when I'm like, what is this character? And I just say the words over and over. And I find that it calms the shame spiral. It directs my thoughts in the direction I want them to go rather than toward the, like, you should quit. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and anyway, I love it. And I, and I love how many, like hundreds of singers come to me on Instagram and say, I did it. It worked. You know, mm -hmm. I went, I was in, I was in an audition setting, which is so demoralizing, dehumanizing yeah. even, yeah. you know, and you're in line with 400 other girls wearing the same dress and they're all singing the same song as you and, and you, or like you're worse than them. That was always what I felt like, Oh, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, why am I even here? Whatever. I'm, my shirt is from Walmart. I remember one day I was wearing a Walmart shirt at a, an audition. Cause like no money. And 
Yes. I was like, I bought this at Walmart and I'm auditioning for this fancy opera company. And like, if they knew my shirt was from Walmart and I got these, these earrings in a convenience store, like I just, I'm such a fraud, you know, all that. So in those, in those environments that are set up to make you feel like you shouldn't do it, you have to quiet the, the gnawing, horrible, self soul-destructing voice. So that's, that's where the, that's where the adjectives come. And I really recommend this to anyone. I think it's not even just about being a singer. I think it's about any moment in your life when you're experiencing this hardship. And it's like, seriously, when you get down on yourself, you should just repeat, like, what is it that you want? Think about that instead. You know what I mean? As hard yeah. as you can, just think about that instead. Breathe deep and think about what you want. It's like the most basic, I mean, breathing deeply is the most basic form of meditation. Mm-hmm. And I think if you redirect your thoughts, that's another, it's extremely basic meditation. Some people are super good at this. It's a muscle you probably have to practice and try. Yeah, but I definitely. know from my personal life, I've been able to accomplish much more in circumstances when I wanted to quit than, than when I didn't do this. <clears throat> sure. That's so uh, long. I'm sorry. No. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, it answered goodness. like Thank six you. of our questions. <laughs> And I actually like I kept like thinking of a question and then you went into it and I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> I read your mind. Do you have any advice for working with so many different people that are telling you what you need to fix? You know, working with a coach and a yeah, director. And... I mean, OK, so you need there is a there is an OK, it's just like growing up. You know, how there's like an awkward phase before you come into your own or whatever. When you're a young singer, you have an awkward phase before you have created your circle. Hmm. But you need to create, you need to curate a circle of trusted advisors that is real small. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's say like maybe a parent is invited to be on this. Ultimately a manager. If you are lucky, you will have a manager who can be in this. Maybe a partner uh, or like a really good friend you know, that knows about your voice and knows about singing, knows about a teacher would be nice to put in there. Get a small circle of people that you like, you know, that even if they say something unpleasant, you have to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then like that you can trust them for sure. Also make sure that there are people in this circle that you know will love you even if you suck. Like, so that their advice doesn't make your sense of yourself compromised to the point of misery like um if your mom for example like knows how well you sing you know what i mean and she knows like wow that wasn't your best performance but it's your mom like she's gonna love you even if you tank right or whatever that's important um so when you're a young artist there's a lot of people who surround you who are like oh you're the talent like ooh, how can we sure. whatever what do we do for you but then that means that your value as a person is completely based right. on how you're singing. Mm. So it's not yeah. really healthy to invest a ton in those sort of relationships because they're super conditional upon your success as a singer. And what's say you get like really bad reflux or like you have heaven help us, like some sort of polyp or something. I mean, like you can't, or you get in a car accident, the steering wheel goes through, through your throat. Okay. So the point is you got to put someone in your circle that is going to love you mm. come what may and that's part of why you know you can trust the feedback because you know that it's not coming from a place of bitterness or jealousy right. or any anything like that but once you've curated this very small group i would i wonder if you could even like i didn't ever do this but write down the names like this is the circle of trust mm. 
Right. And then maybe that's a smart. If you write down their names, then you know anybody outside of that circle, you can like, you can evaluate what they're saying, but you do not let yourself take it all the way to heart without evaluating it and yes. bringing it by the circle. Wrap yourself in a blanket of protection from all of the feedback that's coming in. Don't show them on the outside that you're protected from their feedback because that will make them push harder and try to hurt you more mm -hmm. to get it in. You can be like, thank you. That's very interesting. But you don't have to listen. <laughs> right. You don't have to listen. Also, always, always consider the motive of the person offering the advice. Wow. Always consider. And no, no, this is something that I know I really believe people are always talking about themselves. Okay. If someone comes up to you and says, I didn't like that you sang the high note flat. They're only talking about their own perception. So all mm. obviously that you can hear is mm. you sang the high note flat and you're like, Oh my gosh, I sang flat. Oh my gosh. I Hari curry, right? It's over. Whatever. <laughs> but um, who are they? Could they do it better? Look sure. at the circumstances. Maybe you did sing it flat and then ultimately you have to go, okay, how can I do it? with better intonation next time but you you need to separate your value as a human person from your singing mm -hmm. which is very hard to do yes. but i feel like if you wrap yourself in this like theoretical blanket that protects you from from the barbs that are coming in i mean i remember somebody one time coming up to me and saying i won a competition it was very early on but i felt awkward bowing i hadn't given a lot of thought to like how to bow mm. and i just bowed to like a man i guess and <laughs> The guy was like, it's sad how a really great performance can be destroyed by a really unseemly bow. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a buffoon, you know? And then I thought about it too much. And then I practiced my bows in a way, like, thank you, horrible, grouchy, sure. of yourself man who was trying so hard to prove you're better than me. Because now I bow in a way that I feel very proud of my bow. Yes. I thank you very much. I practiced it up. I worked on my glutes and my, you know, my quadriceps <laughs> yeah. till I can, I can successfully slowly descend into it, you know, <laughs> but, um, it's funny. You just got to consider the source, consider what they're, mm. where are they coming from? Why are they offering me this advice? And then once you have your people that you trust, this is another rule of thumb that I've learned from, uh, Bren Jovanovich, who's a brilliant tenor and like a really, really good person, like a really lovely person, which is awesome. He says, if you get the same feedback three times, you should really consider it. Mm. But I love that because that also means if you get a feedback one time, you don't really have to take it that seriously. Yeah. It might just be like one person's opinion. But once you've heard it three times, it's like, okay, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> there's something to this. The point is, in, that is, by the way, absolutely not what I ever did as a young artist. I'm the kind of person that was like, you give me one like say do this one inch and i'm like six meters right like right. I'm, I'm like tw 20 feet i'm just i'll go all the way and i was like this weird pendulum like so desperate to please that being mm. told we want to really quiet i'd be like okay cool i'll go completely off the voice open the chords and blow air through what do you think perfect <laughs> right like you know what i mean and it's so stupid because they just wanted it like that much sure. and i can't i don't know i couldn't figure out how to it's because so also in the meantime, while you're like evaluating the motive of the other person, evaluate your own motive. What is your motive in receiving criticism? Oh. Do you, are you so desperate to please other people that you will sacrifice your gift? 
Because mm-hmm. I've been there. Mm. I've been there in an effort to get the validation, which, like I said, in the long term, I realized I owed only to myself from myself. Mm-hmm. I was willing to compromise my uh, technique. Like if a conductor is like, I really want this to go so fast and with better diction until you're bleeding out the mouth. I'd be like, sure, cool. I'll do it, you know? Right. And now I'm like, wait, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> nope. You know? And the truth is whatever you can do to be true to yourself is what you should be doing. Anyway. You have to find that happy. I feel like I'm at a point in my career where I have to find the happy medium between pleasing people because I'm not getting all sorts of gigs and with being true to myself. And I find that really difficult to do. Well, I'm telling you there, let's say, let's, this is another way of saying it. When you're evaluating someone's motive, it's not going to be pure in any one way. Like there might be some, a kernel of it that's worth taking. You don't have to take it hundred percent. You don't have to take all of it to heart, but like, what are they doing? You know, because also the other thing is in a room where people are preparing an opera or a concert or whatever, usually there's like, I like to think of them as the clipboard people. It's like a panel with, you know, you got the director, the assistant director, stage manager, assistant stage manager, the diction coach, the pianist, the, the conductor, the assistant conductor, and the second assistant conductor, the costume people, the blah, 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 blah. You have like a thousand people in this room. None of them are singing. You're singing. They all are representing one wedge of a pie. Okay. Let's say the conductor is like, or let's see, I, I don't know. The, the, the pianists are responsible for pitches and rhythms. And the conductor is responsible for dynamics and like artistic, uh, let's say, I don't want to say homogeneity, um, like a streamlined artistic construct. Sure. And the diction coach is responsible just for the diction, you know? The, somebody's responsible for what you look like. There's, it's this pie. Everybody thinks their wedge is the whole stupid pie. Sure, yeah. But you have to do all the wedges, <laughs> right? Right. So, like, you're getting these people that are like, oh, but the diction is the only point of this. And the conductor's like, no, but I, my part is the only point. And my part is the only point. And you start getting like, I can't, I've been overwhelmed, <laughs> you know? But if you think right. about, like, in terms of your own personal pie, like, what do you value the most? But still, you have to be responsible for the whole pie. Maybe you can realize, yeah, you know, my diction wedge of my pie is a little narrow because I've invested more energy in like my, like my personal charm, let's say, or whatever. Because <laughs> sure. all of it, you have to do the whole pie. Mm-hmm. In yes. fact, this might be an interesting exercise to literally write it down. Yeah. Like what are the things that are required to be successful at this job? Because you have to have good diction. You have to have correct yes. pitches and rhythms. You have to be able to do dynamics. You have to be charming. So you have to have charisma. You have to have an ability to tell a story. You have to have all these things. But you got to realize like, and look, some people, their acting wedge is like real narrow and their singing wedge is like real wide, right? Yeah. And nobody's going to be like perfectly balanced. But the point is you have to do do the whole pie. And the bigger the pie, the better, right? (laughs) Who doesn't want a big old pie? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, those people, those people in the room, all the feedback that you're getting is going to be like really one-sided. That's what I'm trying to say. Cause you're ultimately responsible for so much more than just their one element, but they are getting their whole sense of their value in the room from that Mm, one thing. Right. So some of them will really lean in 
will really tell you like you suck really bad and I'm going to be the one to make you right because then I can take credit for your work and right. but you're the one naked on the stage at the end yes hopefully not literally you know what I mean sorry <laughs> no shade if somebody wants to do that that's their deal I personally am not comfortable with that I personally feel like you don't have to go to college for that and I've been to college so I feel I you know I don't have to do that it's just my own thinking on the subject I love it yes so every, every singer's told that they're not enough. We all have a weakness. We're all, you know, everyone's telling us we're wrong about something. We've got to fix something. And maybe we are. We're wondering what's that one thing for you and where you're at on your journey. Is it something that you have dealt with? Is it something you're dealing with it? Or is it something that you have put on the back burner and you are working on other more important things? Oh gosh, that's a horrible question, Evan. <laughs> I know it is horrible, and we I ask read everyone. It. I read it, but I didn't realize that that's what you meant. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is my no? You know, I don't know because okay, how do I put this? I used to have a really breathy voice. Like I had problems with chord closure. Okay. So I had. I don't believe of... that, but <laughs> it is. I could scrape up an old recording for you if you like. But I had to really like when I started taking lessons from Daryl Babbage, who by the way is amazing. I don't know mm -hmm. if you. you should have I have him on studied your with him. I have studied with him, and he don't is you just amazing. Love him? Yes. And he's such a great person too. Amazing. Oh, Dazzo. Yes. Love him. So my first semester with him at BYU, he had me go like huh, at the beginning of every phrase to like really force oh. the chords closed. Mm -hmm. You know, I was saying, I remember singing Ain't It a Pretty Night. It's like, Ain't It a Pretty Night. But it helped me because otherwise I was like, Ain't It a Pretty I don't know. I had weird breathy, but it wasn't from lack of pushing because trust me, I was pushing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, um, that was hard. I had a hard time with resonance. But, you know, it's just, I don't know that I, the thing that I probably hyper focus on now is just like my appearance. But that's the mm. thing that I, and because of the coronavirus and like all yes. this, because I was on this weight loss journey, lost a ton of weight. Mm -hmm. I went way too far. I was only really? eating 800 calories a day. And I got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't, I had no stamina vocally. Oh my god! And I couldn't bloom in the top. I was mm. like, oh, my highness were really anemic. I could float like easy peas. I was sure. like, oh, listen to me. Look at me, La Flotina. <laughs> I always wanted to be able to do that. Right. All it took was like a little bit of starvation, my hair falling out, and I was floating like crazy. But I couldn't wow. do the power in the top. Mm -hmm. I could, Generally, I couldn't sing with a lot of power. And I was like doing all these things to compensate. And anyway, I realized like I also wasn't eating carbs. That was part of the problem. And I don't know, I haven't really tried it where I'm eating no carbs, but on a performance day, I'm eating like tons of calories. I don't know if that would be enough because also I feel like when I was losing weight, I was in this, well, I got in a ketogenic state, right? Where I um, was sort of, it makes you kind of like zend, which it was good in a lot of ways, but I lacked the edge. I didn't have like this energetic, oh, like interesting shimmer on the, I, sure. I was just sort of sub subdued like a subdued version of myself, a little bit slower <laughs> and softer. So I don't know, because I turn out, that's not my inherent personality. Like maybe even if it's negative, I guess, I'm kind of intense. And so I sort of want to, pr pr I want to be able to call upon that intensity when necessary in a character. So I started eating carbs again. I gained back some of the weight, but I feel like now 
I mean, I could probably give or take like another 10 or 20 pounds or whatever, but I looked way better when I couldn't sing, but like, I couldn't sing. You know what I mean? What, is it worth it? Ultimately, I don't think so. I think I'd rather. No. So, but yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the kind of thing. I mean, I just sang Mimi and Mimi is supposed to die of tuberculosis, which is like, makes you become skeletal before death. So like, that's not in the cards. Cause guys, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but like, I don't actually have tuberculosis it was acting <laughs> i know right surprise surprise world i'm just pretending let's put some gray eyeshadow under my eyes that's right. how we dealt with that problem but anyway unfortunately i was directed and i went like a lamb to the slaughter to a page of like people live tweeting while listening to the broadcast and some of the comments were only about how I looked way too healthy. Luckily, no one used the word fat, but people were like, she could beat up all the men, you know, and <laughs> um, I am big. I don't know. Like, I am not a frail woman. I'm, I'm, I'm like healthy. My, my metrics yeah. are good or whatever, but like, I'm not a frail woman. Sorry. And I, Maybe my Mimi didn't die of tuberculosis. Maybe she died of something, whatever, that you can die of while being on the chubby side. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, like, that is my big issue. That is my thing that, like, holds me back that I have to, like, fight the demons over is, like, my self-consciousness about my appearance. But I also acknowledge that it's so stupid because when I was, I remember, who, who was I talking to about this? I just came to this conclusion that if there is a group of people in the world saying, you know, I would go to the opera, but I don't want to have to look at fat people. If there is someone actually saying that, first of all, what an a-hole and why are we catering the whole profession to yes. that sick, stupid person? Yes. But I don't even know that anyone is saying that. Like, right. are there people? Does someone exist really... like that? Yeah, I think that some, now that I know more of them, I think that some <laughs> casting directors are a bit like that. Hmm. Which I'm like, cool, you've chosen the wrong genre. Like, pick a different sure. field. You know what I mean? Um, and of course, we all want, I mean, who is, we, hello, it's like, we all want, we all wish we looked like the ideal version of ourselves, whatever. But it's just such a ridiculous standard, especially if you're, what you're asking for is not, this isn't modeling. You know what I mean? It's not like right. the sole purpose of a person is their appearance, particularly if they are a singer. So it's just, it's a complex thing, but also the, it, are we claiming by, by only casting thin people in opera or generally, are we claiming that only thin people deserve to have their stories told? Only thin people fall yeah. in love? Like only thin <laughs> yes. people are worth, worthy? Like it's such a sickness. It's such a societal yes. sickness. And I don't agree with it at all. I don't mm -hmm. think that it's fair to underrepresent what is basically average and normal because we're so obsessed with some ideal because ultimately like it can be very healing to watch a story on the stage and really re relate to it rather than thinking like this is some sort of unattainable ideal you know what i mean right. yeah but also i mean who do we like to we like pretty things we like looking at beautiful people that's why i mean whatever every story has a lot of sides and i'm super digressing on this point but i guess this is just the issue because i feel like it's so vulnerable yes for anyone yeah. like we you can i remember a conductor saying to me i feel sorry for you because you're so good that you're never going to be good enough and i was like what does that mean and he said that um 
oh sorry norma jean what's her what's her name her famous name duh marilyn monroe marilyn monroe was like really criticized humously before she died she was like you know she was so beautiful that it was like well you know she could do but she could lose weight or she could and i this is how sick we are in society it's like once something is so good the expectation overcomes yeah this and it is my opinion that perfection mongering perfectionism is potentially the death of art so but we do this the the greater something is then the hype can possibly overcome the greatness and then you you can never live up to the idea you know like maria collis said Mm -hmm. she was like collis was like a separate creature from her own self and like what she had Mm -hmm. to do to maintain Mm -hmm. it and which she had yeah. to sacrifice, but it, it was never real. It was all like, anyway, it's just, yeah, I don't know. What is the thing that I'm working on? I guess, what am I doing to work on it? Or is it on the back burner? Back to your question. I think that I, <laughs> like everyone, am like, how do I, you know, look better? And how do I, but I also sort of resent it. Yes. And I remember yeah. when I was, like last summer, I was singing Rusalka in 2019, not last mm-hmm. summer, I guess two summers ago. And, um, or whatever you call it, 2019 relative to now. <laughs> and I was, I was like really watching what I was eating and like trying to be thin or whatever. And I, um, trying to maintain the weight loss that I had done, but also like trying not to be so low that I couldn't bloom in the top anymore, particularly for that role. And, uh, I just remember being at dinner with some friends and looking at them and saying, wouldn't it be awesome to just be okay with yourself? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be amazing to just like, just be okay? Like to just not have to stomach this constant self-doubt? Yeah. Like what, what would it even be like? What would it be like to just freaking be okay? And I was like, you know, I'm going to try that out for a while. I'm going to see what that's like. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and, I mean, but it's like, look, but then of course it's a house of cards because the minute I'm yeah. reading, you know, she's too big, shouldn't be singing me, me. I'm like crumpled and thinking, okay, I'm off carbs again. Like it's, you know, it's a, and that's maybe the price you have to pay to be a sort of a public person. Like if you put yourself mm. in, in the, if you put yourself basically on a platter to be consumed, then does the public own your image? Are they allowed to make these sort of comments? And I guess that's like the debate of time. Like that will never stop going on. And ultimately maybe that's the point that like the you that you really are which is ultimately what ideally comes across in your artistry um like finding the balance between giving that to people while you're performing and saving it for yourself when you're not so you don't have to endure those kinds of like cruel comments made by the peanut gallery anyway that is my non-answer to your question <laughs> don't worry though it took up a lot of time yes that's perfect <laughs> no i mean i i told you we were going to edit a bunch but i don't think we can edit one word of what you've said i today. know oh it's gosh Liv will be so unhappy <laughs> oh i'm glad Liv is that's Liv is always like don't say those things rachel don't just don't do it but i can't, but I can't help it yeah she also says usually when there's an interview and I answer all the questions. She's like, Rachel, you're not talking to the police. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to take it really seriously. That's like I want to so answer funny. all the questions. Yeah. I love that. Anyway, you guys are not the police. But if you have any other questions or whatever, I'm happy to. I actually I'm here for have you. a I have a fun question for you. Um, what is your dream Please. role or what is your favorite role that you've ever done? 
Ooh, okay. So I loved singing Rosalka. I loved it yeah. so much. I like didn't expect to love it that much, but wow. it was, it's weird because she's not a human, but I really like somehow felt for this, I felt like this character. I felt yes. like, <clears throat> also I think because as a mom of little kids, I just, there's this, in act two, you don't say anything for most of it. And there was this scene, oh, it's such a great production, this David McVicker production I did, production I did in San Francisco. It was just so magical. And there's a part where she like realizes that, so she's, she's with the prince, right? She's, well, has no voice now. She's with the prince. She's wearing this uncomfortable dress. And, and she's in this hall that it's full of like um, dead deer heads you know, like stag heads with yeah. all the points and whatever. <clears throat> and she sees them for the first time and she just like looks around and looking at all these stags and then she does a silent scream, like this giant silent scream. Like she's, and you're supposed to like shake and make it really look like you're screaming that no one can hear you. And I was so moved by the concept of this. And I was like, this is a symbol of my life is right now as a young mother. I'm just talking and screaming, you know, can you hear me? You know, my yeah. put your shoes on! <laughs> <laughs> That's not why. But I mean, I loved this character. I loved that she was like super displaced in every environment and like ultimately found her destiny. And then it was like horrible. I don't know, something about it. I was so moved by this character. And I loved singing in Czech. Like it was such a yes. challenge in a beautiful, fun way. Plus the music, get out of town. Gorgeous. Yeah, unreal. Unreal and so colorful and like, oh man, that was really doing it for me. But I would say now, I mean, there's so many roles that I've loved singing, but I love, I love singing the Marshall and Rosen Cavalier mm. because, really? um, yes, because I speak German, it's so speaky and uh. it's so like interesting musically and there's so much philosophy in it and there's mm -hmm. so much humanity and so much that's relatable and universal in this character. But also, I think because I'm very tall and it's like such an asset in that character because you're supposed to have this authority. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I felt myself as an, as a, how do I put this? As not as a liability, like as an uh, asset. Mm -hmm. That I was like, I am able to put all of me, and it taught me something about all of my performances, where you should live up to your full self. This is mm. more of the same. Like the more you are yourself, yeah greater your art is going to be able to be in every way and your body is part of yourself so in order to not be ashamed of my body and feeling like oh i'm sorry it's so tall and blue and gangly or weird or whatever i was like yeah no i i deserve i am authoritarian in this position of having a tall body so i really loved that but then i would say it was so therapeutic to play la traviata mm. it was so gorgeous singing this music and like all the feelings and all this process that she goes through and the disillusionment and ultimately dying i mean like that was a dream come true wow. and the sacrifice that she makes for a random stranger because it's like she's like if i don't have a chance and someone else does i loved singing violetta valetti loved it mm. so much but again so maybe those are my top three rosalka violetta no that's not true either because i super super love leonora and in trovatore too that's like great to sing but the character awesome. isn't as good as, as Violetta. No, right. Oh, thank <laughs> you so asking. much for joining with us yeah, today, Rachel. Oh my gosh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to me talk for this long. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I love talking. I can't help I'm, myself. We loved listening. Good.
So to all of our sing our singer friends out there, just keep plugging along. Your small efforts on a daily basis are making you better, even if you don't even know it yet. You're powerful, yeah. creative. You're wonderful. We need your voice out in the world. So stop waiting in the wings and take the stage. In Boca Lupo. In Boca oh, Lupo. Oh, Crepe Lupo. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 